I want to, I'm, we're going to stay in the same, the same uh, series, I guess, if you will, or same uh, topic uh, on disciplines of the Christian life. Uh, but we're going to go into one that really I seen this morning. Uh, I was in my soap study this morning uh, a few weeks ago, and I hope y'all were practicing this. We don't preach this stuff so you can just hear it and nod your head and say, that's some, that's some good preaching. We want you to go do it. Amen. And just a few weeks ago, uh, Brother Andrew taught us how to do the soaps, uh, S-O-A-P-S, S, the scripture, O, observation, A, uh, application, and P, the prayer, right? And, 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 and so I've been going through the book of Acts with my soaps. Each chapter, I'll do a soap study on each one. And, uh, and I saw something today that, that really tugged on my heart. I was going to go a little different direction tonight and uh, do the discipline of praise, the discipline of praise and how it, uh, just praise is so important in our Christian life and our Christian walk. But I've seen something that I want to share with you guys today. Uh, just this came directly out of my soaps this, this morning. All right. So if you're ready, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, uh, we're going to be in verse number one. That's it. Scooch over, scooch over, scooch over. There we go. All right. Just keep, hey, you keep bringing him in, Cesar. We'll keep moving over. Amen. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 17 in verse number one. Uh, matter of fact, matter, let's just don't even do that. Uh, I want to I want to do a running commentary. So if I read everything that I want to read, you're going to stand up for a long time and then you're going to get mad. And you ain't even going to listen to what we're reading. So let's do this. Skip down to uh, skip down to verse number 11, verse number 11. Uh, and, and, and really, that's where we want to take it from and, and emphasize. We want to be like the Bereans. Amen. So if you are in Acts 17, verse 11, say amen. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily at whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. So let's read verse 11 again. Everybody read it with me. You ready? These were more, everybody help me now. Here we go. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the people that are here. Great crowd tonight. Great crowd on a midweek Bible study night. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to the mindset that we need to have when we approach your word. Lord, it is so important that we have a right mindset. It's so important that our minds are ready. We are willing and we're ready to see what you have to say to us through your word. God will praise you. We'll give you glory and praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, one of the reasons that this is so important or this particular topic, the subject we're dealing with tonight, uh, is how do you approach God's word when it comes to hearing it? How do you approach God's word? And it's not just coming to a Bible study or coming to a worship service or uh, how do you approach God's word when you sit down to read it? 
Do you, do you approach it in the right mindset? Uh, for instance, for instance, uh, we have a, we have a bad habit around here of, of determining who's going to be speaking and determining whether we're going to listen or not. Uh, uh, some, some of you got probably nobody in here, but we do have some people that go here that will check the first service out. And if I'm here, they'll come to the second service. But if I'm not, they won't. That's the wrong mindset. Listen, there, there, are, there are those who, who walked in Sunday and they seen those boxes sitting there and they knew I was going to talk about giving and their mindset was wrong. Completely. Completely shut off. Completely had an attitude and, and really didn't care about what was going to be said because they had a wrong mindset. And I, 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 listen, I was reading this chapter and my goodness, God showed me some stuff that we need to see. Uh, your mindset will determine what you get out of the word. It sure will. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Listen, your mindset when it comes to the word will determine more of what you get out of the word than how good the speaker is that speaks it. That's true. Now, Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to do a running commentary, just like I did last week. If you don't mind, I want to do this. Just go through it and explain and talk about it. And then we'll come back to the outline at the end. If that's good, say amen. Amen. I hope so, because that's what we're doing. Amen. Now, Paul has just had the dog beat out of him in, in Philippi. If you'll remember when, when he cast out uh, the demon, he healed the, the demonic woman, they got upset because they were making money off of her and they had him thrown into prison and they beat them and put him in the stocks and in the lower parts of the prison. How many of y'all remember when Paul and Silas and they begin to, they begin to praise God and pray at midnight and then there was a great earthquake and the first jailhouse rock. Say amen. Busted them all out. Uh, the jailer gets saved and make a long story short, they've been beaten and uh, in, in they had to put ointment in their stripes. Well, they leave Philippi, they leave Philippi, and this is where we find ourselves here in Acts chapter number 17. Uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, are on their missionary journey and, and they are going from city to city uh, sharing the gospel, but they, they're really methodical in the way he does this with Paul. Now, before we jump into this, before we jump into this, I want to read just a couple verses, and, and I gave them to y'all. I don't know if y'all picked them up, but here, listen, listen to what Paul says in the book of Romans about his kinfolk. In other words, the Jewish people. All right, watch this right here. In Romans 9, verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now let me put that in other words where we can really understand it. Paul said if it was possible, if it was possible for me to exchange my salvation for all of my Jewish brothers and sisters so they could be saved, I'd be willing to go to hell if they could all go to heaven. My soul. That's stout. That's how much he loved the Jewish people, his brethren. Now, he says this in Romans 10.1. Romans 10.1. Brethren, 
my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now watch this, because this is going to help us understand his method and how he did things when he would land in a city and why and why he didn't stop in some cities. Okay, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the, say it again, to the, and then also to the Greek. So this kind of helps us explain Paul's method, and we'll see this as we go through this chapter, all right? Uh, let's, Let's start here in verse number one. Now, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, all right? I've got a map here. I've got a map here. I want y'all to see uh, here, and, and you could just watch online and, 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 and there at, at Fairview. Uh, you see Philippi at the very top of your map. Now, they go from Philippi. This is where they were beaten and jailed, and then God broke them out of jail. And so they leave Philippi, and they go through Amphipolis, then we see Apollonia, and then they go to Thessalonica. Now, uh, Thessalonica is the capital of Macedonia. It is a very large city. It is a metropolitan area. It's, 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 it's a very industrious place, uh, very much commerce there. Uh, there are trade routes that go through there. So it is a very strategic city. Now, but the, the Bible says that he just passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. Now, uh, some, some Bible scholars believe that this was a three-day journey that, that Paul, he went when he left Philippi. When he left Philippi, there's about 30 miles. There's about 30 miles between Philippi and Amphipolis, uh, about 30 miles between Amphipolis and a- Apollonia, and then a, a just under 40 so about 100 miles from Philippi to Thessalonica. So they, he, he went to Amphipolis, stayed one night, went to Apollonia, stayed one night, and then ended up in Thessalonica. All right? Uh, some some uh, Bible scholars believe that because there was not a synagogue in Amphipolis and not a synagogue in Apollonia, that Paul didn't stay there. Because his mode of operation would go to a city and find a Jewish synagogue and start there. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. And so he skipped these two cities with the anticipation. uh, Paul's main uh, method of operating would go to a major city and then win people to Christ, plant churches there and expect those people to filter out to the smaller places like uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia and, and so, so forth and so on. Because Paul expected mission work. Paul expected, listen, it, we're here in Coleman, but we should be reaching out from Coleman to Bug Tussle, Holly Pond, West Point, Moulton, Danville. Are, are, y'all, are y'all seeing this? And so this is how Paul operated. He would find a place, a very large strategic city, set up camp there and and, uh, find a Jewish synagogue and go start there. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then also to the Greek, then to the Gentiles. Okay. Now, so does everybody see how Paul operated? Okay. Everybody see that he would go to a, a major city. 
a strategic city, and then he would, he would seek out a Jewish synagogue to present the gospel, to give the gospel to his brethren, to his kinfolk, to the people that he cared so much about. All right, now let's keep reading. So he passes through uh, Amphipolis, Apollonia. He's here in Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again. Now, now let me back up. Let me back up. I missed something. Opening and alleging that Christ. Now, in, in the Greek wording, it is the Christ. The Christ. Okay? So why is that important? You have to understand that the Jewish people have been waiting on a Messiah. The word Christ means anointed one or Messiah. He is the promised Messiah. The Jewish people have been waiting on a hero, waiting on a conqueror, waiting on the promised anointed Messiah that God said would come and deliver the people, set up the kingdom again. They've been waiting. So what Paul is doing is he's going to each synagogue and saying, hey, that Messiah you've been waiting on, the anointed one that you know is coming, let me tell you who he is. It's Jesus. Do you see that? This is what Paul's doing. Okay. Now I preach unto you, Jesus, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting on. And some of them believe and consort. Now, when you see this, some of them is talking about who? The Jews. Some of them, the Jewish people, his brethren believe. And we know that, it, that, that this is who he's saying because then he adds this. And they consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout who? Greeks, Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Now, if you read it, just go through reading, just, just, you know, just kind of fast speeding. It looks like, okay, Paul was here three Sabbath days, three weeks in a row. He came each Sabbath and, and, and was preaching and teaching and explaining and convincing them. And then some believe, and now everybody stirs up trouble, but that's not the way it is. If you will study, uh, first Thessalonians, you'll find out. And also, also, uh, uh, uh Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, you'll find out that Paul was in Thessalonica long enough. Now, we're not sure how long. It wasn't real, real long, but we know it was long enough that, it, that the, the church at Philippi sent him two love offerings. So he was there long enough to get support, love offerings from the church at Philippi to help him in the ministry here at Thessalonica. Now, after these three Sabbaths, they had to leave, they had to leave the synagogue because there were some Jews that believed, but the majority of them didn't. And so Paul was no longer welcome at the synagogue. Is everybody seeing this? So now he is still there ministering, probably at the house of Jason. He is still preaching. He is still uh, teaching. He is still ministering, but he's no longer welcome in the synagogue uh, because there were many that did not believe in him. If you're still following me, say amen. Okay, I know this is a lot of information, but it'll just open it up and help you understand it a whole lot more. All right, some of them believe, the Jews, 
And they consorted or they hung out with Paul, spent time with Paul, was in unity with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Now, this happens in ministry a lot. But the Jews which believed not moved with, what's that word? You know what that word means? Jealousy. Jealous. Preacher, what are you saying? When, when those people left the synagogue, you see this big group of uh, Greeks and this group of uh, devout women and these other, uh, uh, these other believers, they no longer went to the synagogue. Now they are gathering as the body of Christ, as the church. And guess what? It made them, it made them mad, but it, specifically it made them jealous. So what'd they do? They took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, basically bad guys. All right, just, just bad guys, heathens in the marketplace. They stirred up a big, just stink in the city. They set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason because they believed that's where Paul was ministering out of. And they sought to bring them out, of the, out to the people. They were looking for Paul and Silas and Timothy, specifically Paul and Silas. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. People do not like to shake up their comfort zone. People don't, listen, it is their world that's being turned upside down. They don't like to be confronted with truth. They don't like to be dealt with righteousness. But the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so here we, we, we got a, we've got a problem. They've taken, they couldn't find Paul and Silas. So they took who he was associated with. And now they brought him to the, the leadership of the city. They brought Jason and certain brethren under the ruler, this is verse six, under the rulers of the city crying. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Now, if you read First Thessalonians, you'll find out uh, Paul was preaching about King Jesus a lot. All right. Now, uh, they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Now, that security means basically like a bond. They, Jason and some of the some of the believers there had to put up money uh, as a bond that Paul would leave town. And so in verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, there's a very different response now. Well, you see well, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's keep let's keep on. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all, say it with me, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, now, now back, in verse, back in verse number uh, four, it says some believe. Verse 12, therefore, many of them. Now who's the them? The Jews, okay? Many of them believe. Also, now that's why we know there's a difference. Not only did many Jews believe, but also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few, meaning there was a bunch of them. But when the Jews of Thessalonica, the unbelievers, had knowledge, they found out that Paul's preaching in Berea, 
They came thither also and stirred up the people, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. So Paul sneaks out, and they, they send him by ship to Athens. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed they departed. In other words, they, they got Paul to Athens. Paul told them, the ones that, that helped him get to Athens, go tell, uh, uh, go tell uh, Silas and, and Timothy to come to me. And so now he's sitting in Athens. He's been run out of Philippi. He's been run out of Thessalonica. He's been run out of Berea. And uh, now he is in Athens waiting on these guys to come. Are y'all following me so far? Okay. Now, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue. Now, see, that's a different word. The word we find in Thessalonica, he reasoned with them. Now we find the word he, he disputed. Different word. He in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers, Athens, Athens was full of philosophers, of the Epicureans and of the Stoics. Now these were two different uh, just completely opposed groups of philosophers. One, one set of philosophers believed that pleasure was the ultimate goal in life. And uh, uh, the, the other, the, other the, the Stoics, believed that no feeling at all, just to be, you know, ha- have no kind of uh, pleasure nor pain was the ultimate goal in life, uh, to feel nothing. And so these groups of people begin to discuss and argue with Paul. They encountered him, and some said, what will this babbler say? What will this babbler say? Some have translated that uh, bird brain. Some have translated seed picker. In other words, they, they, they said Paul was one who was just picking up bits and pieces of people's ideas and religions and, and putting it all together and making up his own religion. Does that make sense? He's just a seed picker. He picked, he, Paul has gone around uh, the different cities and he picked a little belief here and a little thought here and a little idea here and what this person over here says and what, and he's just a seed picker who's put this all together and trying to, trying to put this new religion over on us. All right. And then it says this, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods. Gods was that singular or plural? It's plural because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Now the word resurrection translated in Greek there, they were thinking that this was two gods, that this was a woman, a man, God, Jesus, and a woman, God. But that's, they, they were totally confused about what he was saying. They took him and brought him unto the Areopagus. Now that was a, basically a religion court, if you will. A religion court. It was the the court that determined and decided what was allowed to be taught in the city. They would they would kind of uh, they would kind of uh, determine uh, what was allowed to be taught to the people. And so, that if this is a new religion that's come up, we need to hear about it. We need to know what's going on. And so they bring Paul in, and they said, "May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is." For thou bringest certain strange things to our ear. We've never heard this before, right? Uh, we want to know what this means. 
For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive uh, that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found uh, an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Now, what is this? They had so many God. One, one philosopher said this. It was easier to find a God in Athens than it was a man. They had so many different idols, so many different gods. Just worship whatever you. And, and so they were scared that they were going to leave one out. So they created, they created uh, this altar to the one that we don't know about. Just in case there's one we miss, we have the altar to the unknown God. Well, Paul sees that and he says, that's the one I want to tell you about. You, you've got all, man, I feel preach right there. You have all these other gods, but I want to talk to you the one that you don't know. Because that's the one you need to know. And so he sets in. He sets into uh, teaching them and preaching. <clears throat> God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples. Can you imagine him saying that? In the city where he's surrounded by temples? The temple of Diana is there. All these, I mean, this, this city is full of temples. He said, number one, God don't need no temple. Can you imagine the way they responded to that? Not only that, but neither is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath. And all. So the very first two comments he made destroyed every religion in Athens. Every one of them. All right. Now, he hath made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, silver, stone, graven by art and man's device. What he's saying there is we've been made in his image. We can't make him in our image. Are y'all with me? And the times, this is good too. And the times of this ignorance. You ignorant people. That's what he's saying. All these altars, all these idols, all these temples is ignorant. But God winked at it. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean God ignored it? No, it means that God has withheld punishment. God in his mercy has been long suffering. But now, now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man who now he brings Jesus. He's preaching Jesus. He deals with their sin. He deals with their idolatry. He deals with their ignorance. Now he brings in Jesus. 
because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. Boy, that kicked it. That, that just set off. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some, what? Mocked. Others said, we will hear thee again of this matter, meaning they procrastinated. They said, well, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll circle back to that. We, we, we'll hear you. We, we, you know, we, we're not, they didn't mock him, but they put him off. How be it? The Bible says so, Paul, and by the way, they never got a chance to. They never got a chance to. Paul left the city and he never returned to Athens. Preacher, what's the point? You better get in while the getting's good. Paul departed from among them, how be it, certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Areopagite, that was one of the judges, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Now, you've heard the whole chapter. Now let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. A mindset. All right, we saw three different cities, right? We saw three different cities. We saw Paul ministering in all three. And we saw, really, we can say three different attitudes. Can we say that? And three different responses. So, what, what are we getting at? We want to look at and deal with their mindset. The mindset of those in Thessalonica, the mindset of those in Berea, and the mindset of those in Athens. All right? Now, let's look at this. First of all, as we study this chapter, let's look at the preacher first. Let's look at Paul and how he operates. Let's look at his approach. Number one, if you're taking it, well, let me, let me, let's, let's look at the definition of mindset first. All right? A habitual that's, a, that's, a, that's important. A habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret or respond to situations. Let me read it again. Specifically, what situation are we referring to? The word. The preaching, the teaching of the word. The habitual or characteristic mental attitude that determines how you will interpret and respond to situations. Now, let, let's, let's say this a minute. Everybody in here comes from a different background. Everybody does. Some have a similar background, but we all come here from different places, from different situations, from different backgrounds. Some come from a very uh, uh, religious background. Some from a very strict background. Some from a, uh, 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 maybe a, 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 a very wicked background. Uh, maybe you have no church experience. Maybe you have a lot of church experience. You have a lot of tradition and you have a lot of understanding. You have a lot of what Mama and Papa always told you. And there are tons of people that come to the word. They approach the preaching and teaching of the word. They approach the word not with an open mind to look at the word, hear the word, read the word, see the word to determine what I need to believe. But they go and say, I believe this and I need to go to the word to support what I already believe. 
And some of our mindset has been determined by tradition. Some of our mindset has been determined by our upbringing. Some of our mindset has been determined by what church we were raised in. And the problem with that is, is all churches are not the same. And all churches don't teach sound doctrine. And all churches are not right. Everybody can't, if we're different, everybody can't be right. Somebody got to be wrong. Are y'all with me? But what happens is, is we take all of that baggage into this. And when we sit on the church pew, we open our Bible and we determine how in the mindset, how we're going to respond to what we're fixing to hear by what we've already been told back in such and such a time. Now, why is that a problem? It's a problem because you might not have been told the truth. I told you, I told you before there was a, there was a lady in, in the church I pastored in Barnwell, South Carolina. I was fixing to walk out of the building and she said, preacher, preacher, come over here, come over here. I said, okay. She's sitting there arguing two other ladies. And she said, preacher, tell them that there's going to be more people go to heaven than go to hell. Even if God has to turn the rocks and the trees into children. I said, do what? She said, tell them, tell them. That there's going to be more people go to heaven than go. This is the God's truth. I'm quoting it. Verba, listen, quoting it. There's going to be more people go to heaven than go to hell. Uh, even if God has to turn the rocks and the trees into children. I said, well, if I said that, it would be a lie. Man, she turned red as you have never seen red in your life. Angry. What do you mean? I said, well, what I mean is that's not true. Well, my, and she said, her grandmother told her that her whole life. Now, what's going on here? Let's break that down. Anytime you see rocks and trees in the Bible, it's referring to when Jesus came into the kingdom when he came into Jerusalem on the donkey, the Pharisees came out of the temple, uh, the high priests, and, and, and listen, they came out and said, make these people quit praising you. And he said, well, if they quit praising me, the rocks and trees are going to cry out. And they took an idea that makes them feel good. See, it makes us feel good to think that there's going to be more people go to heaven than go to hell. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says straight is a gate and narrow is a way that leadeth into life and few there be that find it. Wide is a gate and broad is a way that leadeth into destruction and many there. Are y'all with me? But because somebody told her something, she went into the mindset of this is the way it is. Preacher, what are you saying? Do you have a right mindset? When you come and sit in that chair and open your Bible. Are you, are you waiting for somebody, are you waiting for somebody to reinforce what you already believe? Or are you saying, okay, Lord, teach me. Show me. Because what's going to happen, if you come with the wrong mindset, you're going to get argumentative. You're going to get argument. Well, first of all, first of all, you're going to look at the topic. Or you're going to look at the boxes out on that table and you're just going to shut off. And you're going to have an attitude. 
Hello. Three different mindsets. Now let's look at this. Let's look at this. How did Paul go at things? And this is important. This is important. We see the preacher's approach. First of all, look what it says. In verse 2. Paul, as his manner was. In other words, this was his approach. This is how he did things. He'd find a synagogue. And this is what he would do. He went unto them and three Sabbath days. What's that next word? Reason. Write this, write this down. A, his approach, he discussed. He discussed with them. The word reason here is the word dioligema. I ain't even going to try it. The Greek word is imprint. You tell it any way you want to say it, you say it. But it's where we get our English word dialogue. Dialogue. Most sermons are a monologue. It's one person talking. But what Paul would do is he would get a dialogue going. He would, he would answer, he would ask questions and answer questions. So uh, he would gather the people in the synagogue and he would begin to dialogue with them. He would begin to discuss with them and talk to them and uh, answer and ask questions. Then it says this, opening, opening. You got the English or the, 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 uh, uh, the Greek word there. And it just means he explained. He explained. He discussed, he explained. The word means, opening means to expound. He began to expound the scriptures. All right? And that's important. That's important. Verse 2. Verse 2, as, he, as his manner was, he went unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the... I don't understand how there are pastors in America today that will write a book and then preach out of the book they wrote. I've seen it several times. I've seen it several times. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? We don't need your opinion. We, we don't need what you think. We need to get the scriptures and explain them. Now, what, what, did, what did we just get through doing about 20 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, however long ago it was? We went through the verse and explained it. That's what he was doing. Does that make sense? Say amen. Okay. So he's explaining to expound. All right. He's opening. And then not only opening, but and what's the next word? Alleging. All right. Y'all got a Bible. It's in verse three, chapter 17, verse three, opening and alleging. He proved, he discussed, he explained, and he proved. The word alleging here, the word alleging means to prove by presenting evidence. All right, say that with me. To, to prove by presenting evidence. Now, I want to give you an illustration of this. What was Paul doing? They didn't have the New Testament like we have. All right, I can preach out of the New Testament. Paul didn't have that. So what Paul would do is go to the Old Testament, take the Old Testament scriptures... And because that's what they studied every week anyway. In every synagogue, they would take the Old, scripture, the Old Testament scriptures out and read them from the law of Moses and, and study the, the law and the prophets. All right? If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So what he did is he went to them to discuss it, explain it, and to prove by the Old Testament scriptures 
that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus was the anointed one. Now, let me give you an illustration. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, Peter did the same thing. Do y'all know on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two, Peter did the same thing. Let me show you how he did it. Look in, look in your notes there, Acts 2.22. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, he's got everybody's attention. And watch what he does. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. So he's going to preach to them Jesus, right? He's going to present to them Jesus. A man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So what did he do? He said what happened. He explained what happened. Right? This was no, this was no, this was no surprise or shock to them. I mean, this is right after, this is, this is 50 days. After the resurrection. So this is all fresh in everybody's minds. Say, you remember that man, Jesus? Y'all put on a cross. Y'all remember him? Y'all with me? Watch what he said. Now he goes to the Old Testament. Now he starts quoting Psalm 16, 8 through 10. He says, this man that you put to death, God raised him up and... (laughs) In other words, he said, there is, he's, he's been resurrected. Now he quotes the Old Testament. For David speaketh concerning him. That's in Psalm 16, 8 through 10. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, what's he do? He quotes the scripture and now he explains it. You hear me? Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a, in other words, he's saying David couldn't have been talking about himself because he's still in the ground. Y'all with me? He's explaining. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ. You see, he mentions Jesus first and then calls him Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the one they're waiting on. He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. You say, what did Peter do? He took the Old Testament. He preached to him Jesus and proved by the Old Testament now, I'm, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Y'all, why y'all let me get ahead of myself? The reason this was so important is because a crucified Christ was such an offense to the Jews. Because the Jews were expecting a hero. 
They were expecting a conqueror. They were expecting a king to come and throw Rome off of their back and, and come in like a, 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 a hero on a, on a white stallion to come into Jerusalem and, and not a meek and lowly carpenter. What do you mean? The Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed one was killed. Well, how can he be the Messiah if he was killed? Peter said, let me show you. And so he took the Old Testament scriptures. I believe, I believe in, in the process, I believe in one of those sermons that Paul gave, he, he probably went to Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our, are y'all with me? I don't have time because I'm about out, but just read all of Isaiah 53. It explains completely that the Messiah, the one sent from God, the anointed, would have to suffer he would have to die, but God would raise him up again. Yeah. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Yeah. So this is Paul's approach. Now, now, what, what, what do we, what do we need to, what do we need to, to take from this? Whatever church you're in, he needs to be explaining the scriptures. Yeah. He needs to be preaching the scriptures, teaching the scriptures, explaining the scriptures. Not as a, not as opinion, not as preference. But you need to be in a church that will take the Bible and open the Bible up. Now, now there's a, Uh I've been to some meetings lately and there's a difference. There's a difference between preaching from the Bible and preaching the Bible. There's a difference between using the Bible to preach and preaching the Bible. Amen. Say, what in the world? That's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. When you use the Bible to preach, you got something you want to say. And you will nitpick verses and pick it out to fit what you're trying to say in your agenda. And most every time that happens, they take them out of context and then verses don't mean what you say they mean. Are y'all with me? But if you take the Bible and you go and you explain and you said, this is what God said. This is what it means. This is how, are y'all with me? Amen. Preach the Bible. Yeah. How can we have a ready mind? Well, you first have to have somebody that's preaching the Bible. Right. You see, a ready mind means an open mind. Yeah. A ready mind means that, watch this now, a non-reluctant. I cannot believe there's only 12 minutes. Dear Jesus, help us. A non-reluctant mind. In other words, you're coming here ready to go saying, lay it on me. I'm ready. Give it to me. I'm ready to hear it. I'm not reluctant. I'm not resistant at all. Hey, I want to hear what God has to say. Well, the only way we can do that is have a, a, a Bible preaching preacher. You got to know that your teacher or your preacher is preaching the scripture. Now I know there's a lot of people out there that watch this. Y'all been creeping and watching. Y'all don't tell nobody because you don't want nobody to know, but you've been watching. And you need to make sure your preachers and your teachers are preaching the book. And the only way, and I'm going to go ahead and say this now because I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to it. But the only way you're going to know that they're teaching and preaching the book is if you're in the book learning and seeking the scriptures daily to see if those things be so. Anyway, let's hurry. Let's try to finish. 
Now, does everybody see Paul's method? Now, watch this. We see the preacher's approach. But number two, I want you to see the people's attitude. In Thessalonica, there is a reluctant attitude. There is a reluctant attitude. We're going to finish. If y'all write fast, we'll finish. There's a reluctant attitude. So how do you know there was reluctant? Well, he's reasoning, he's explaining, and he's three, it's three weeks in a row. It takes three weeks to get their attention. Week after week, he just kept on and kept on. How do you know it was reluctant? Because the Bible says there was only a few. All right. So in Thessalonica, there was a reluctant attitude. But in Berea, there's a receptive attitude. There was a receptive attitude. Now, by the way, don't think that all that was in Thessalonica was reluctant. Because there were some that were receptive. Okay. So that's important. That's important that you get that. Not all. But there were some, there was a handful, but the, but the, the way this is read, the way this is written here in Berea is they were all receptive, man. We were, we're ready. Teach us, teach us. Right? So we see a receptive attitude, but then we see a ridicule, an attitude of ridicule in Athens. They just mocked him. They made fun of him. They mocked him. Now watch this. Watch this. The word readiness. The Bible says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all what? Come on, everybody. They received the word of God, the word with all readiness of mind. Now watch this. The word readiness means quickness. Are you quick to receive and accept? Are you quick to fall in line with the scriptures? Or do you sit in that pew and mentally argue with it? Do you sit in that pew and think of 15 other people it's for, not you? Or do you sit in that pew and think of what what Denny's got on special for tonight? Quickness, promptness, promptitude, facility, freedom from hindrance. There it is. Freedom from hindrance or obstruction. What is a ready mind? Say it with me. Freedom from reluctance. Say it with me. Freedom from reluctance. Sometimes you come in depending on who the speaker is, depending on what the subject is, depending on what you have for dinner this morning or this afternoon. And you're reluctant. When you need to be coming in here and open your Bible and open your mind and say, God, teach me. Teach me. Noble. Noble means open, free, candid, of an excellent disposition. What's the last part? Say it again. Ready to 
I know what some of you think. What if it's not truth? Well, you need to get somewhere where it is. And if you don't think it is here, then go somewhere where it is. But first, before you do that, search the scriptures. If you don't like what I preach Sunday, search the scriptures. And see if what I said was true. Anyway. We see number three, the predictable accomplishment. The predictable. Why did I put that word? Well, it was alliterated. But this is why I put predictable. Because you can pretty much predict the outcome by their attitude. Are y'all with me? Now in Thessalonica, what was, what was the attitude? Hurry, hurry. We only got six minutes. Reluctant. Now watch what it says. They heard it. They heard it reluctantly. There was some resistance. And the Bible says, Acts 17, 4 through 5. And it says, and somewhat. Yeah, but who were they? The Jews. There was a lot of Greeks, but who was he targeting? And by the way, by the way, to help us really put this in perspective, I'm talking to a church crowd right now, right? I'm preaching to a church crowd who's got the scriptures. You're familiar with the scriptures. That's what he was doing. When it comes to the Jews, they had the privilege of having the Old Testament scriptures. So that's, that's, let's use that in the application here. Paul is targeting people who are supposed to know God. Are y'all with me? But their attitude was an attitude of what? Reluctance. So what was the outcome? What was the outcome? It says only some believe. So in Thessalonica, we have some. In Berea, what was the, what was the attitude in Berea? Receptive, ready, clear, no reluctance. Teach me. Teach me. I'm ready. Look what it says. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things be so. Therefore, say it with me. <laughs> After therefore. <laughs> therefore. So, so in Thessalonica, some believe. In Berea, many believe. Preacher, what, what are you saying? I'm saying your attitude determines the outcome. In Athens, oh, this is terrible. This is so sad. In Athens, we can't find any Jewish who believed. They mocked. Now look at this. Watch this. In Thessalonica, what did he do in the synagogue? What was the word that was used? He reasoned. In other words, he presented evidence. And he said, this is what the evidence is. What do you think? This is what, but it, it uses a different word. There's a different word used in Athens. In Thessalonica, he is reasoning with them. In Athens, what's the word that's used? He's disputing with them. He's arguing. He's opposing. 
He's opposing. Y'all get that? He's opposing them. In other words, you're going the wrong way. This is the way you're supposed to be going. He's not, he's not taking the scriptures they already have and helping them understand it. They've gone so far away from what God said. He's opposing where they are in their idolatry. He's having to argue with them. Is everybody seeing this? And so there are none. Now watch. I'm glad God's word will not return void. It says in verse 32, when they heard the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Who do you think those some are? The Jews. In Thessalonica, some believed. In Berea, many believed. In Athens, some mocked. That's all we know. And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. Others procrastinated. So Paul departed from amongst them. How be it? I love this. Certain men clave unto him and believed. Among the which was Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. These are Gentiles. These are Greeks. Dionysius was a judge that was in the Areopagite who were there to hear Paul. No Jews believed, but an Athenian judge believed. Damaris here was a prostitute. A uh, 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 high profile. I don't have time to go into the deal, but there were there were uh, philosophical women who could debate and was very intelligent. But they were basically high profile call girls for the wealthy wealthy of the city and the higher men of the city. And she was allowed to be in this conference, and she became a believer. And and listen, Bible scholars tell you if if Paul named somebody. If Paul named somebody, that meant they were well known throughout the church. So these two Gentiles became great servants of God who were well known in the church. But none of his brethren. Because your attitude will determine the outcome. How you receive the word will determine what the word does for you. Are y'all with me? Now let me, let me give you this. We're going to be just a little late, but very little. How do we have a ready mind? How do we have a ready mind? First of all, write this down quick. A ready mind will be determined how you see the scriptures. A ready mind will be determined how you see the scriptures. Where are you getting that from? Well, let's go back to Thessalonica. You remember when I said... That there were some that had a right attitude. And remember? Now watch what Paul says about that group. That some, that small group. Here's what he said. In 1 Thessalonians, he's writing this letter to them and it's what he says. For this cause, thank we. For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing because... When you received the word of God, which ye heard of us. In other words, Paul said, when I was there explaining and teaching and preaching, 
You didn't take it as it was the word of men. You didn't receive this as if this was man's opinion or man's preferences or man's idea. But as it is in truth, the You know what will determine how you receive it? How you see it. If you think what I'm telling you is my ideas, my opinion, my manipulation, I'm just trying to manipulate you, I'm just trying to get you to do this or that, then you're going to have a a completely wrong attitude and a very bad outcome. You say, "What what what made it work for them? Because when they sat under Paul's preaching... They saw it as it was coming directly from the mouth of God. He said, how in the world are we supposed to see it that way? Search the scriptures daily. Stop listening to people that says, I think or I believe and get back to people that say, thus saith the Lord. Paul didn't give his opinion. He didn't give his thoughts, his theories. He said, this is what the Bible says. This is what it means. Are y'all with me? Say amen. A ready mind will be determined by how you see the scripture. Secondly, secondly, how we see the scriptures. Number two, how you search the scriptures. How you search the scriptures. Now, let me, let me tell you, let me say this. Let me say this. Don't come in here naive. Because I may not always be here. I hope you can trust me and I hope you've been here long enough that you know I'm going to give you the book. But I may not always be here. You need to know the book. You need to seek the book. You need to take the book home. And go over and meditate and marinate on what you learned and you heard and you were taught. And see if the preacher's right. So how in the world, how in the world would they have such a ready mind? Because they went home the next day and searched the script. Yep, that's right. That's what Paul said. There it is right there. Hey, the next day, teach. But if you don't know the scriptures, you're going to constantly be sitting back there. I wonder if that's right. I wonder, I wonder if I'm really supposed to give. I wonder if I'm really supposed to serve like he's talking about. I wonder if I'm really supposed to be separated from this world. I, I wonder if I'm really supposed to have a modest outfit on. Yeah, some of y'all had a bad attitude about that. Whole three weeks worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number three. What was number one? Number two? Search it. Search it. You don't like what I said? Search it. I don't like what he said about that topic. Well, search it. Come show me where it was wrong. No, you don't want to do that. You just want to complain. You just complain to everybody. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well. Number three. Share the scriptures. Share the scriptures. 
First Thessalonians, look what they did. This little group. This little group. This is what Paul was so worried about the Thessalonians and the church there and the work he got started. He was concerned about it. He sent word and he found out what was going on. And this is what he says. This is so good. He's speaking to that little group. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us. Now the us is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Right? And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. I believe he could be talking to Jason about that, right? And the rest of them that got arrested and drug into having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you, that little handful of people, that little group, from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. What is he saying? I didn't have to come get on to y'all about nothing. Why? They heard the word. Look at me, everybody. Don't be wrapping up. Look at me. I got to finish this. They received it. They had a right attitude. They were ready. And listen, they sought the scriptures to make sure. When it was confirmed to them, the very next thing they did is they went and told everybody. You know what? Telling everybody the scriptures you're learning, it'll make you want to learn some more. I'm going to put Cesar on the spot right here. Because I like to see him squirm. <laughs> I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. We started our Hispanic microchurch. And he kind of got drafted. I said, I need an interpreter. He said, okay. I didn't tell him how long. (laughs) And so I would speak and he would interpret for me every Sunday. Y'all would go home take a nap. We would go three o'clock and minister to our Hispanic family. Church family. Some services went four hours long. Am I exaggerating? He said, Lord, no, you ain't. I had translate. Because they were so hungry and learning. And if I'd have stayed an hour longer, they'd have, stayed, they'd, have, they'd have kept on asking questions and learning. And y'all get bent out of shape if it goes over an hour. And so now he's leading it all by himself. But ho, 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 
Here's the part that just tickled me. He's in DMD training now to, to learn how to lead another training center to make disciples that make disciples. And, the, and the, the scripture that he was in this week, he just pouring over it and pouring over it and digging and digging and digging and digging because it was really a lot of content and he's digging. And, and this is what tickled me. He said, I come out and I learned this. And I went to Marie and said, look what I learned. And if she's anything like my wife, it's like, okay. <laughs> and I want to warn you about that because what God gives you, other people won't see it like you see it. There's been times I couldn't wait to come out of my office and, and show Belisa and show Andrew and show, show anybody in the office and say, hey, let me show you what I saw. Yeah. But none of them are spiritual enough to handle it, so I don't do it no more. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but what's the point? What's the point? The more you dig, you have a desire to show it. And then when you're able to sit here and learn, Cesar, Cesar is leading the, the 11 o'clock service down there. He's teaching the continue book to a group on Tuesday in the DMD. He comes to training at three or two o'clock on Sunday afternoon that I'm teaching personally. And he can't wait to show what he's learning. And because of what he's learning, he's wanting to learn more. The reason some of y'all have a bad attitude when you come to church is because the only time you open your Bible, if you happen to have it with you, is here. Do you really, are you really looking at the word when you come to hear it as if it's coming from the lips of God? You need to. Because if I'm giving you the word, the scriptures explain it, it's coming from God. 